Thank you so much for tuning in to our church podcast. You can go to atarapentecost.com for questions about services and how to donate. We pray that you are blessed by this message today. God bless. Thank you so much. Amen. Thank you for this uh, opportunity and privilege to be here and uh, to be in his presence today. That's the most important thing is to be in his presence. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Come on. And in, uh, in scripture, we read in the Old Testament where I just don't ever want to take for granted what I feel because it's easy to do that. We become accustomed to things. But what we feel today in this, pre- in this place, uh, in the Old Testament, this was something that very few experienced ever. In fact, the glory of God, the presence of God was not something that was regularly experienced, not on a weekly or, or even as a daily basis as we can have it. And in fact, the New Testament tells us that the Old Testament writers, they would write down things. They prophesied about this. And they would write it, and it said they searched the Scriptures diligently, trying to figure out what it was. This is what it was. Gathering together, being able to enter His presence, when we can just call on the name of Jesus, when there's not a ritual or a formality or a certain time, but whenever we decide to enter into His presence, whenever we decide to lift our hands, we can. Whenever we decide to clap our hands, we can. Whenever we decide to call on His name, we can call on the name of Jesus. This is what they were talking about. And I don't ever want to take for granted any opportunity I have to gather in His name with fellow believers. Amen. It's so good to be here this morning. Amen. I'm going to let you be seated today. Thank you, Brother Knowles and this church for opening your doors to us, for allowing us to be here today. It is such a privilege and a blessing for us to be here. Amen. I, I uh, have a little connection with his church, my family and I, because we do know uh, Sister Corey, now Lucas. And so, uh, and, and I, I was talking to some people before service, and I guess uh, some people know me, uh, but only by one particular fact, and so I'll share that with you, clear up some things. I am the person who gave Corey the only B she ever received. That was me. That was me. And I really, I really rocked her boat from the very start because I told her, I'd, I told the whole class that I didn't believe in A pluses because nothing could ever be perfect. And so she really struggled in my class with that so much so that she turned in an assignment late, which is how she received a B. So I have seen the horrible side of Sister Corey and getting a B. I know, I know. But, uh,. <laughs> And I, I, I guess that she's in Illinois, which is where we're from. And so we've kind of traded places today. But so thankful to be here. Thank you for expanding the kingdom of God here in Richland. Thank you for doing your part. Thank you for giving to move the mission. Thank you so much. This is uh, an important part. It's vital in helping missionaries move the gospel around wherever God has called them to. So thank you so much for giving to that. Thank you for giving to Mother's Memorial. This is another offering that is taken up that goes to benefit missionaries. And thank you for supporting missionaries through partners and missions, through offerings. Thank you so much for doing that because without that financial support, we could not do what God has asked us to do. But God has called my family and I to the nation of Wales. And 
This is our first time going. We are newly appointed this year. In fact, we were appointed at the same time as, as Jason Lucas, and he wasn't married then, but we were appointed at the same board meeting they had actually earlier this year, and we are on our way to the nation of Wales. I do like to clear up because some people get a little confused. I've discovered when I say that uh, we're going to Wales, I do like to clear up uh, that we are not going to save the whales, we're going to save whales. So some people get a little confused and they think, man, what's going on here? But we are going to the nation of whales. We're not going to beaches and putting mammals back in the water. If you want to do that, that's fine. But we are going to the nation of whales. And uh, we are excited about what God wants to do. Amen. I'm thankful that my family is able to be here with me today. Thankful that they are traveling with me. And uh, they're actually going to come up. They have a part. The, the, my boys are going to come up first. And they are going to share with you some facts about whales because... Most people don't know a whole lot about the country, so they're going to share with you, and then my wife is going to come up and share with you as well this morning. He's got to get done so he can get to children's church. I'm Isaac, and I'm 15. My name is Cooper, and I'm 8. Did you know the Welsh flag is thought to be one of the oldest national flags still in use, originating in the 4th century? It goes back to a myth which talks about a war between a red dragon and a white one, which represented England. It was not officially recognized until 1959. Did you know that Wales has 600 castles, which need more castles per square mile than any other country in the world? Did you know that Wales is about the size of Massachusetts? Did you know over 20% of Wales is in national parks? Did you know Mount Everest was named after the Welshman Sir George Everest? Did you know the Welsh language is one of the oldest living languages in the world, up to 4,000 years old? Did you know 50% of people who fly are on aircraft with wings made in Wales? Did you know the Welsh oil mint makes 5 billion coins annually for 60 countries? Did you know the equal sign was introduced by Welshman Robert Record? Did you know the world's first radio message was sent by Mark Tony from Lavernock Point, Wales? Did you know the national emblems of Wales are the daffodil and the leek? Did you know the heir to the throne of Great Britain always holds the title of Prince of Wales? Did you know the royal family always uses Welsh gold for their wedding rings? Did you know the second longest place name in the world is in Wales? It is spelled L-L-A-N-F-A-I-R-P-W-L-L-G-W-Y-N-G-Y-L-L-G-O-G-E-R-Y-C-H-W-Y-R-N-D-R-O-B-W-L-L-L-A-N-T-Y-S-I-L-I
But uh, Sister Corey, she precedes you all. What a beautiful person inside and out. My life is blessed by hers. But um, I'm thankful that the Lord uh, has his guiding hand on our lives, even in this day and age that we live in, especially in this day and age that we live in. I can't imagine going through this world in this time without his hand guiding our lives. But I believe that God has sent out a stirring across his people to get us ready and in place for a mighty revival that he has in store for us in these last days. And I'm thankful to be able to be a part of that, that we've answered the call to go to Wells, to a country who the people need to hear about him. They need more of of what we have. And I'm thankful that the Lord has called us to go. But I believe that he saves for a reason and a purpose. But he has a work for you to do as well in this community. He has a work that is waiting for us in Wells. And we ask you to pray, pray for us as we go. Pray that we will be his hands, his feet, have his heart to reach the people in Wells. Amen. We do have a table out there, and there are some cards on that table you can take. And uh, there's our picture. And then on the back are some cities that you can pray for in Wales. Uh, and we're believing that God's going to do a work. But we are traveling, raising partners and missions. This is monthly support. We're asking churches to join with us uh, financially in our endeavor because no matter how great the call of God may be, or no matter how great the need may be, it requires people to pray, it requires people to give, and it requires people to go. And so we're asking you to join with us in that. We do have some projects we're raising money for as well. If you are interested in a one-time offering towards that, Uh, We do have a few projects that we are still raising money for. But Wales is a land of beauty. It's a land of castles. It's a land of revival. Over the last 300 years, there have been 15 distinct revivals throughout the nation. Perhaps you've heard stories about some of the Welsh revivals. Sometimes they don't sound quite true, almost like a myth because of the stories. But during Wales, it was a coal mining country. And during one of the revivals, so many coal miners converted that if you would pass the entrances to the mines, you could hear hymns coming out of the ground as the miners all sang while they worked. Horses and donkeys were used down in those mines to move the coal around and do various tasks. And after the revival, well, before the revival, they would command the horses and donkeys by just cursing at them. After the revival, after the miners had cleaned up their language, They actually had to go in and retrain the horses and donkeys because they didn't understand the miners' cleaned-up language. The circuit judges would show up in towns for weekly and monthly court appointments, and when they would ask where are the criminal cases for this week or this month, they would be told there's no cases at all. People would visit towns, and they would be empty, and when they would ask where everyone was, they would be pointed to the local church or chapel. Bars and taverns shuttered their doors, and the dance halls closed for lack of business. And at one point, there was a new church being built every eight days in the nation of Wales. The Azusa Street Revival can find its roots in the 1904 Welsh Revival with Evan Roberts. But today in this land of beauty, the land of castles, this land of revival, there's no established UPCI work. It remains a barren spiritual landscape. There's the remnants of the miraculous. There's the residue of revivals past still there, but there's few present-day reminders now 
except for vacant chapels and churches which serve really just as historical landmarks. But God gives his people a promise through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 58. And in this promise, God speaks and he reveals some more of who he is. And God calls himself the builder, the restorer, and the repairer. Now, of course, we are on our way to the nation of Wales. You're getting ready to see our video and you're going to see the beautiful countryside. But you're not going to see the work that God is doing right now. But I believe that God has a work that he wants to do because he is still a repairer. He is still a restorer. He is still a builder of waste places that God still has a work that he wants to do in the nation of Wales. Amen. I believe that there is a harvest still in the soil. I believe there are prayers that have been prayed over the last several years, 10 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, and they haven't borne fruit. But I don't believe that God wastes our prayers. And I believe that those prayers will still bear fruit in a revival today. And so we're asking for your prayers and your support in this endeavor. This is not something my family and I can do on our own. But I do know that when we do what we can do, when we go, when we pray, when we give, then God steps in and does what only he can do. And so we're asking you to join with us in prayer and finance today. I believe that God is stirring people. I believe that there's revival happening. I believe there's a revival coming that's greater than we could ever imagine, that there's something stirring in our midst. Amen. Enjoy this video this morning about the nation of Wales. Oh, I can feel redemption on the wind. Forgiveness like the tide. Rolling in, taking up the space where shame has lived, receiving all that you died to give. Let the wind blow, let the tide roll to the earth. Now. God of love oh, I can see a valley of dry bones rattling moving bone to bone you breathe the breath of life into our lungs marching on our March to love. Let the wind blow. Let the tide roll. To the earth, no. You are God of love. And my dry bones sing a new song. All the glory. God of love. Hey! The Bible's in the air. Catch it if you can. It's moving on the wind. The dawn is breaking. 
you to stand with me this morning. I'm going to ask you to do something with me today. I'm going to ask you to help me pray for the nation of Wales. Amen. I believe that there are hungry and thirsty people. In fact, there are people in that nation that have the Holy Ghost, and I believe there needs to be more. I believe that God has a mighty work that he wants to do, and I believe that we can pray here and God can move somewhere else. I know we believe it at prayer time when we're praying for our neighbor or family member that's close by, but distance does not hinder God. So we can pray here right now and God can move in a living room of somebody in the nation of Wales and do a work in their heart and life right now. God can anoint their eyes, anoint their ears to hear his voice. So I'm going to ask you to join with me in prayer for the nation of Wales, but then I'm going to join with you in prayer. I'm going to join with you in prayer for Richland. I'm going to believe that I don't have to believe that God wants to do more things here. I know that God wants to do more things here. I know that God wants to fill this place. I know that there are more people that need the Holy Ghost, more people that need deliverance, more people that need set free, and God wants to do it in this community. And so we're going to join together that the Spirit of God would move in homes in this community right now, that God would begin to reach into hearts right now, that people would walk through those doors. You have no clue how they came here. But it's only by the power and the Spirit of God that begin to draw them to this place. Amen. Let's join together in prayer this morning. Lord Jesus, we come before you. Lord, I'm so thankful, God, for every time that you have moved, every time that you have touched in the nation of Wales. But Lord, I'm asking you to move one more time, to send revival one more time. Lord, I'm praying that your, your Spirit would reach down right now. That you would anoint eyes to see you. That you would anoint ears to hear your voice. God, that your spirit would begin to draw and do a work that only your spirit can do, God. Lord, I'm believing you and trusting you, God, for the work that you have in that nation, Lord. That you would move on hearts right now, God. That you would speak to people right now, Lord Jesus. I believe you and trust you, God. And Lord, I'm praying for this church. I'm praying for this community right now. Lord, I'm thankful for every person that's a witness of who you are and your saving power. And Lord, I'm believing you to do greater and mightier things in our midst, God. That there are more people that are going to be baptized. More people who are going to repent. More people filled with the Holy Ghost. That you have more drug addicts that you want to save. That you have more people that you want to heal in this community, God. I'm believing you and trusting you, Lord, for the work that you want to do. In the name of Jesus, we claim it. In Jesus' name. Come on, why don't you give him praise right now? Why don't you thank him for what he's done, what he's going to do? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord God. Amen. I want to preach to you for a few moments, I promise. And to you guys, you guys are fortunate today because we do have another service at 1 o'clock. So I have to get done today. <laughs> but I promise I will not preach very long. But I want to preach to you from this title this morning, Stuck in the Corner. Stuck in the Corner. You may be seated this morning. The book of Ruth is a short one, but it contains many deep spiritual truths. The entire book is a type and shadow of how Christ loves and responds to you and I. It also demonstrates the compassion of Christ. It demonstrates the compassion that can be found in the law. 
Now the law is known as unmerciful and judgmental, which it was, and I'm thankful that we do not live under that law, but we must remember that the law was given by a merciful and gracious God. And we find hints of it found throughout the law. One small law in particular had an impact, a great impact on the story of Ruth. And it can be found in the book of Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 9. And it says this, it's a chapter about God's holiness. And right in the middle there, it gives these instructions to the Israelites. It says, and when you reap the harvest of your land, thou shalt not wholly reap the corners of thy field, neither shalt thou gather the gleanings of thy harvest. And thou shalt not glean thy vineyard, neither shalt thou gather every grape of thy vineyard. Thou shalt leave them for the poor and the stranger. I am the Lord your God. This law tells us that the edges, the corners of the fields and of the vineyards were to be left for the poor and for the stranger. If you would pass a field at harvest time, the middle of the field would be full of Israelite harvesters. It would be full of activity. It would be the hustle and bustle of harvest time. But the edges, the corners were to be left for the poor and for the stranger. They weren't as many people there. And those who were there, everyone knew who they were. They were poor or a foreigner. When Ruth returns with her mother-in-law to Israel, she is both poor and a foreigner. And so it is to this very law, or it's to these corners, which she turns for her very existence. And there are some things that we can gather from the corner of the field this morning. The first thing that we need to understand today is that there is always room in the harvest field. There is always a place in the field. There is always an opening where you can find yourself working in the field. Ruth was a stranger. She was a foreigner. She was an outsider. She was someone with no heritage. She had no lineage. She had no place in Jewish culture. She had everything going against her. She was a foreign widow. And I know that we know God has it all under control. And we all know that He knows the end from the beginning. But sometimes our actions and the way we respond does not really reflect that attitude. <laughs> I, I know especially during these last uh, year, several months, year, whatever it is now, we've lost all track of time, I think. But however long this, these last 10 years of COVID, however long it was, we know that God has it under control, but again, sometimes our actions do not reflect that we know that God has it under control. But I believe that God does have it under control. In fact, I believe it so much that when God spoke to Moses and he said, I want you to leave the corners of the field, it was not some random thought that God had. It was not just a light bulb moment for God. He thought, well, that would be awful nice for that to happen. No, I believe that God saw a woman hundreds of years later who would end up in the lineage of Jesus, who would be in desperate need of food. She would have nowhere to go. And so God spoke to Moses and said, I'm going to provide a corner just for her. Let me tell you, God saved you from a life of sin. God saved you from a life of searching. God saved you from a life separated from God and from righteousness. And He's not going to leave you apart either. He's not going to leave you alone. He's not going to leave you an outcast separated in His kingdom. No, God has fitly joined you to this body. 
He has fitly joined you in the kingdom. He has put you in this field. And God has done it for a reason. God has done it for a purpose. He put you in the field to be a part of the harvest. Oh, you may look to the middle and you may see everyone else doing their thing. And you may wonder, what am I doing out here? What am I doing stuck in the corner? It seems like all the spotlight, all the activity is going on in the middle. But have you ever considered that God has saved a corner just for you? That he ordained where you are. He placed you where you are for a reason and for a purpose. We need to understand something else too. We cannot diminish the corners. You see, in the natural, we tend to think of the corners as the outside, the edge, the leftover, the not quite as good. Now, my youngest, Cooper, he has a problem with the edges. He likes the uncrustable peanut butter and jelly. You give him a sandwich, finally, I got tired of it and said, look, if you don't want the crust, you take it off yourself. So he does on a sandwich. He leaves the crust of pizza. He doesn't like the edges. There's something about the edges. I don't know what it is. But part of the problem with us spiritually too is how we view the corners. We see them as less less than because it's not in the middle where everyone else is. Where everyone else is working. What I'm doing for God doesn't seem that big. It seems kind of small over in this corner. And because it's left and no one else is doing it, we think it is worth less. But I think we have to understand this. God did not tell the Israelites to leave the worst part of the field. He did not tell them, in the corners you plant your bad grain. He did not say, put the less fruitful crops in the corners and leave those for the poor and the foreigners. No, let me remind you, the harvest in the corners is just as good as the harvest in the middle. Oh, you need to be careful how you view God's harvest. He is the Lord of the harvest. It's on your wall. And it's His field. And if God says it's a harvest, then it's worthy of my work. It's worthy of my effort. It's worthy of my endeavor, no matter how I may view it. You see, we start to put levels and degrees of importance in the harvest of God. But let me remind you that God views a soul as a soul who needs Him. It doesn't matter what condition physically that soul may be. It is a soul that needs God. Let me just put it real plain for you. That person in the jail is a harvest that needs God. That person who stays at home because they're afraid of COVID is a person who needs God. That person who is addicted and doesn't even know what day it is and their brain is messed up by their addiction. I know we look at them as less, but that is a harvest and that is somebody who needs God. All that continual mess up who you know when they walk through the door, they're going to ask God to forgive them one more time, but in a few weeks they may be gone again. It's not my job to judge the harvest, but if God brings it, I'm going to work in the field. I'm going to do what God has called me to do. Oh, let me tell you, if you can't find your place in the middle, if you can't, maybe you're like me. You don't want me singing. You don't want me playing an instrument. You probably don't want me preaching either. 
There's a whole lot of things you don't want me doing. And you may say, there's no place in the middle. I can't do all those things there. Well, maybe God is calling you to a corner. Maybe God is calling you to a different part of the harvest. And I'm challenging you, don't diminish the corner. Don't see it as less than. It's still the harvest of God. It was also in the corner that Ruth found everything she was looking for. You see, we get so concerned sometimes, again, about what we don't have. About how we aren't being used. About how we heard the voice of God and then nothing seems to be happening. That we felt a call that God may want us to preach and nobody's called us for our conference to preach to 10,000 people. Or God has asked us to do something. And again, we go to the big things. But I've found a lot of times we just struggle in obeying God in the little things. That God asks us in altar time to pray for someone over there. And before long, we've talked ourselves out of it and got a list of other people that should be praying for them. But God asks you to do it. And we begin to say what little there is in us. But we find ourselves in the corner thinking about how little there is here and how much is over there where everyone else is. But let me remind you that God is my provider. And my place and position in the harvest does not hinder His provision. When I get involved where God places me, it doesn't matter if it's the corner. It doesn't matter if it's in the middle. It's amazing what starts to happen in my life. We get so concerned about being in the, in the spotlight sometimes. And sometimes God calls us to the spotlight and we don't want to do that either. But it's about where God calls us to. But when I get involved where He places me, God begins to work. You see, the corner is where Ruth found her sustenance. Everything that Ruth had in her life, everything that she needed, started in the corner of the field. The food that she needed for that very day came from the corner. Favor from the Lord of the harvest, Boaz, was found in the corner. Purpose was found in the corner. Value was found in the corner. Her future was found in the corner. Her family was changed forever because of the corner. Her financial position changed forever because of the corner. If you are willing to get involved where God has placed you, no matter how insignificant it may seem to you, no matter how small it may feel to you, God will start doing things in your life and through your life that you never thought were possible. Let me remind you about Stephen, the first martyr. Oh, we all know that he was the first martyr and the message that he preached. But he started out waiting tables. But he did it full of the Holy Ghost. It doesn't matter. Let me just explain something to you. That when you receive the Holy Ghost, you are the temple of God. So if you have the Holy Ghost, you are the temple of God. That means that no matter what you do, it is spiritual. It doesn't matter what it is. There is no such thing as cleaning the church if you have the Holy Ghost and it not being spiritual. There is no such thing as just being an usher if you have the Holy Ghost because it is a spiritual activity. So it doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter if you're at work. Your work becomes a spiritual activity. Going to school becomes a spiritual activity. Going to the store becomes a spiritual activity. Why? Because you have the power of God inside of you.
Lastly, God has called us to the corners. We read in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. We read about the progression of the gospel. It says, ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the world. Jesus predicted that it would start in the middle. He prophesied it would begin where they were at in Jerusalem. And then it would spread to Judea. And then from there Samaria. And then to the uttermost parts of this earth. Now we understand this is a literal geographical statement that Jesus makes. Because this is literally how the gospel spread. It started in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2. And then the church began to spread into Judea, Samaria, and then the world. But Jesus uses this word, uttermost, which speaks to the edges, the outer reaches. And Jesus states that we are called to where we are, first of all, that which is closest to us. But we are also called to the edges, if you will, for the sake of this message, to the corners. Whether Jesus' words were only meant to be taken geographically or if they have a deeper meaning for you and I, I think we can all agree that it's God's will for all of the harvest to be gathered. John 3.16, He is not willing that any should perish. It's God's purpose for the whole harvest to be gathered. It is not God's intention for the corners to be left. It is not God's intention for the corners to be wasted. It is His intention for everything to be gathered. Let me make it real plain for you here today. It is God's intention for every corner of your school. It is God's intention for every corner of your workplace. It is God's intention for every corner of your family, of your neighborhood, of this community to be reached with the gospel. He has a harvest in every single corner. There is no place where there is not a harvest. Sometimes we just get depressed and we start thinking, well, I'm just stuck in this corner over here. I'm just stuck. I don't have a ministry. I can't speak. I can't do this. I can't do that. I'm just stuck here living my life in this corner over here. But I'm here to challenge you today. Why don't you decide that I'm going to start making a difference in the corner? Because maybe God has placed me and ordained me to be in this corner for a reason and for a purpose. We need to start understanding that we are not stuck, but we are placed. And here is why. Because you are uniquely qualified to reach that corner. I don't know why God has called my family to Wales. Again, I'm not special. I have no great qualifications that I, should, that I should be doing what God has asked me to do. But I have to believe what I tell other people. That somehow, despite me not understanding or knowing that we are uniquely qualified to do what God has called us to do. And we need to start understanding and believing that. But we think that's arrogant. And hopefully you don't think I'm arrogant. Let's, let's look at Paul. Paul tells the Corinthians, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. Now that seems a little arrogant to me. You need to follow Jesus just like I do. That seems, wow, Paul, who do you think you are? 
You see, there's a difference between arrogance and confidence in the Holy Ghost. And what the church is lacking so many times, none of us are worthy to do anything that God asks us to do. None of us are worthy to even enter this place and lift our hands and clap our hands and feel his presence. But his spirit has made me worthy. Jesus went to a cross and he rose from the dead and poured out his spirit so that I could enter his throne room with confidence and boldness. Not because of who I am, but because of what he has done in my life. So you need to understand that, yes, God has called you. Yes, God has called you for a reason and for a purpose. And you are uniquely qualified and ordained to reach the people God has put in your realm of influence. So I'm here to challenge you. Go where God has placed you and expect a revival. Go to your workplace and know you may not see it right away, but expect a revival because God wants to reach everybody. Go to the jail. Go to the prison. Reach the addicted. Reach out for those because God is working and doing something in you and through you. And here's the amazing thing. When you start going into those places, when you start going to the corners, you're going to discover something else. Hebrews 13, 12 says, Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Jesus purposely went outside the gate. He purposely went outside the community. He purposely went to the corners. He went to the edges. If you feel like an outsider today, then Jesus knows exactly what you feel like. But let me tell you this this morning. When you start working in the corners, you will probably discover and see Jesus in a greater way than you ever have. A vision appears to the prophet And he begins to see the glory of God starting at the house of God, like a river flowing out from under the doors. And he steps into that water, and it's just in his ankles. He steps out a little bit farther, and it gets deeper. He keeps stepping out, and the deeper the river represents the glory of God. The deeper he went, the more glory there was. But notice, there was more glory the farther he got from the house of God. That doesn't mean there's not glory in church. That doesn't mean you get get to quit coming to church. That's not what that means at all. But what it means is just like Jesus, when he went to the leper, when he went to the Samaritan woman, when he went to all these people that were in the edges and in the corners, there's more glory there because you're never more like Jesus than when you're reaching in the corners, when you're reaching for the person that's most desperate, the person that is down on their luck, that is their only hope is Jesus and you reach down and you share Jesus with them you're never more like him than when you do that and I'm closing this morning Moses in the book of Numbers he gathers the 70 elders around him and God has spoken to him and he begins to tell them what God has spoken to him after he speaks to those 70 elders The scripture tells us that the spirit of God descended on all those gathered. And they all began to prophesy as the spirit moved on them. We heard about prophecy this morning. It says those 70 men and Joshua and Moses, as the spirit of God fell, they all began to prophesy. 
There were two men, though, Eldad and Medad. I'm glad our names have changed since then. Makes you wonder if in like 400 years, people are going to be like, Kyle, man, that's a weird name. There was these two men, Eldad and Medad, who were not there. They were outside the group. They were not part of the 70. Yet scripture tells us they began to prophesy also. Someone comes running and tells Joshua and says, hey, Eldad and Medad, they're prophesying out there. And Joshua goes to Moses and says, Moses, you need to tell those two guys to quit. This is the 70 right here. These are the guys that should be prophesying. Those two out there shouldn't be. And in Numbers chapter 11 and verse 29, Moses says to Joshua, Envious thou for my sake? Would God that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. Now, we don't know why Eldad and Medad were not with the rest of the elders. We don't know why they weren't a part. Some have said they were supposed to be there, but they decided they didn't want to show up. But that doesn't really seem to fit because God doesn't usually reach down and bless people who are unwilling to be used. But for the sake of this service, this message, it's enough for us to say that Eldad and Medad, they weren't in the middle. They were on the edges of the camp. But you see, I believe that there was something that was still stirring inside of them. I believe there was a desire inside of them that said, it doesn't matter where we are. It doesn't matter when the Spirit of God moves, if we are at the tabernacle, if we're standing next to Moses, if we're standing next to Joshua, if we're just out here in the corner. I believe a desire began to stir inside of them and something began to happen. Because I believe that the Spirit of God is drawn to one thing in particular, and that is a desire. If you have the Holy Ghost, you know that. You could not have received the Holy Ghost unless you wanted the Holy Ghost. But it was your desire which began to draw the Spirit towards you. And I believe it's the same way. That suddenly when a desire in our spirit, it doesn't matter what part of the field we're in. I believe the Spirit of God can fall on us. And let me just say, I don't want to speak for your pastor. But I believe that he would say the same words as Moses. Are you upset for my sake that I'm not the only one reaching or teaching? Teaching a Bible study. I wish that everyone would have the Spirit of God fall on them. I wish that everyone would teach a Bible study. I wish that everyone would go to work tomorrow and realize I'm in the harvest. I wish that God would put His Spirit on all of them. You see, before we can ever reach the edges of our community in this world, we need the edges of the church to all catch on fire. My prayer is every time I'm in church, just like in the book of Acts and many times in the New Testament we read, it doesn't matter if it was a prayer meeting or church or whatever it was. It said all of a sudden they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. It says that many times. My prayer is that every time we're in church, we all leave full of the Holy Ghost. If we can put it in the context of numbers, that everyone, whether they're on the platform or leading or the pastor or whoever it is, all the way to the person who barely made it into church and you crawled in here and you don't know where you are in God and you're wondering if there is a God I'm just praying that we all just catch on fire with the Holy Ghost inside of our lives as we stand this morning
I'm praying that all the harvest will be reached in this community. We need people to harvest in the middle. It's not either or. Usually in scripture, it's both and. We need people in the middle. We need people that will get up and preach in the pulpit and lead worship. We need that. But we need people on the edges and in the corners. But we need to understand that that doesn't mean that it's anything less in the kingdom of God. Because it's all His harvest. We need people reaching to the uttermost parts of our community. We need people reaching to the drug addict. We need people reaching to those in jail. We need reaching people reaching to those who are bound by sin and seem like they have no hope. people to understand that God has called his church, this church, this church to every single point. Moses said that he prayed, he wished the spirit of God would fall on all of them. He said, I wish that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. That's the best they could hope for. Is that everyone would have a touch from God. But I hope you realize today that we don't have to have just a touch from God. We can be filled by God. That it's not just about feeling His presence in this place and then leaving and, and making it till the next time we can feel His presence. No. But when we leave this place, God can put His Spirit in you. And understand that if His Spirit is in you, it goes with you wherever you are. You can make a difference. No, you may not. You may look and say, well, I can't change the world. But you can change your world. You can change the people that God has put you in contact with. And you need to realize you're in contact with them because God has ordained it. And He has placed you there. And He has called you to that part of the harvest. Amen. I want us to pray right now. I want us to pray that God would open our eyes to see. That God would help us to see the field that we are in. That God would help us to reach this community that God has placed us in. Let's join together in prayer. Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord God. I come before you believing and trusting you, God. That you have a harvest in this community. That you have a harvest for every single person. And Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes this morning. God, that you would renew us with your spirit in this place again today. Lord, that your spirit would sweep through this place, God. You see everyone that has the Holy Ghost. You see people in this place that don't have the Holy Ghost. And God, I believe that we can leave here, every single one of us, full of your spirit, full of your power, ready to change this community, ready to change our workplace, our school, our neighborhood, God, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm going to open the altar and I think this is how I want us to pray this morning Jesus tells his disciples he meets the woman at the well he has that whole encounter she runs back into town and then Jesus his disciples show back up and they have a conversation and Jesus says look on the fields are white and ready to be harvested I believe that is present tense I believe it remains till today that there is never a moment in your life where there is not a harvest I believe that in your life right now, there is a harvest ready right now. But Jesus is having that conversation. And you can be Jesus for a moment, just for a moment. 
and I'll be the disciples. And they're having this conversation. Jesus says, look, the fields are white and ready to be harvested. And behind him, there is the lady he has just spoken to coming out of the city with people streaming behind her. And the disciples are going, okay, where? They could not see the harvest until they turned around. It was there the whole time. They just needed to change their direction. Well, God, I've tried witnessing. I've tried talking to this person. I've tried. Maybe what God wants you to do is turn and see a different harvest in your life. Because there's always a harvest that's ready. I'm going to open this altar in a moment. If you want to come pray and say, Lord, I'm ready to be used in your... Maybe you're doing plenty for God. Maybe you just need encouragement that what you're doing is not too small. It's not too insignificant. You're not stuck in the corner. You're ordained by God to be there. Maybe you're struggling. You're, you're wanting God to use you, and, and you just can't seem to find the opportunities. I want you to come and pray, Lord, help me see the harvest in my life. Lord, I believe there's one there. And Lord, I'm claiming that you have put me in the harvest. Help me to see the harvest in, your, in, in my life. I'm going to open this altar this morning. If you want to come and talk to the Lord today, if you want to speak to Him this morning, I'm asking you to come. Nothing strange or odd's going to happen to you unless the Holy Ghost does it. But I'm asking you to come and allow God to minister to you, to speak to you, to encourage you. Maybe He needs to challenge you today. I'm always ready for the Spirit of God to challenge me in my life. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now these are the days of Elijah, declaring the word of the Lord. Come on, begin to talk to him if you want to lift your hands. If you want to pray out loud, whatever you're comfortable with, just begin to talk to him today. Lord, use me for your kingdom. Lord, help me to see the harvest and in my life. These days Lord, help me to see that you have placed me where I am. That you have called me for a reason, for a purpose. Lord, I want to leave this place full of your spirit, full of the Holy Ghost. In the Set on fire by you Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Behold, he comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. At the trumpet call, lift your voice. It's the year of Jubilee. Out of Zion's hill, salvation comes. These are the days of Ezekiel, the dry bones becoming as flesh. Now these are the days of your servant. David rebuilding the temple of praise. And these are the days of the harvest. The fields are as wide in the world. And we are the laborers in your vineyard, declaring the word of the Lord. Behold, he comes, riding on the clouds, Shining like the sun at the trumpet call, lift your voice. It's the year of Jubilee. Out of Zion's hill, salvation comes. Behold, he comes riding on the clouds, shining like the sun 
at the trumpet calls, lift your voice, it's a year of jubilee. Out of science, his salvation comes. These are the days of Ezekiel, the dry bones becoming as flesh. And these are the days of your servant David rebuilding the temple of praise. These are the days of the harvest. The fields are as wide in the world. And we are the laborers in your vineyard declaring the word of the Lord. Behold, he comes. Riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. At the trumpet call, lift your voice. It's a year of jubilee. Out of Zion's hill, salvation comes. Behold, he comes. Riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. At the trumpet call, lift your voice. It's a year of jubilee, out of science his salvation comes. There's no God like Jehovah, 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 hallelujah. There's no God like Jehovah. 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 Behold, he comes riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. At the trumpet call, lift your voice. It's a year of jubilee, out of Zion's hill, salvation comes. Hold, he comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. At the trumpet call, lift your voice. It's a year of jubilee, out of Zion's hill, salvation comes. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, blessed is the Lord, blessed is the Lord. Blessed is our God, blessed is our maker, Lord. Oh, we pray for your liberty, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Amen, Heavenly Father, Lord. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day, oh God. Lord, we pray for the harvest. God, we pray for laborers to accept the call today. Lord, we're thankful for the message today. Lord, we pray, God, that you will be with the Kelly family, God. And we pray for the nation of Wales, Lord, that your spirit will be spread, that your spirit will save, God. Lord, just bless, hallelujah, the deputization, God, of this family. And just provide your means, God, and just Hallelujah. Anoint their pathway, Lord. We're thankful for the message and for visiting our heart and spirit today, God. 
We love and adore you. Be with us, God, as we come from this place today, O oh Lord. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Jesus.